0: Welcome to a Fresh Story Podcast. This season, we're digging into all things divorce. We'll be discussing the ins, the outs, the nitty-gritty, all that stuff we don't talk about. Well, we're going to talk about it. Join us for everything you've always wanted to know about divorce, but we're afraid to ask. Remember, you're not alone. Let's dive into divorce together. everyone, Olivia here. So picture this. I'm lying in bed watching TV and I get a DM on Instagram. It reads something like this. Hi Olivia, I know you don't know me well, but I've been following you and I need help. I'm a stay-at-home mom with two little kids and I need to find a way out of my marriage. Is it possible for a stay-at-home mom to get divorced? I have no income of my own and I feel so scared. I get this type of message daily. And when we were building the structure of this season, I wanted to make sure we highlighted this in particular. Is it possible to get divorced as a stay-at-home mom? I say mom, but of course we mean parent. It just so happens that I get the majority of my messages from moms. So what's the answer here? Is it possible? Of course, my love, it's possible. And from this point forward, you are not alone. We're all here to support you. On this episode of The Divorce Season, we're covering everything you need to know in order to get divorced as a stay-at-home parent. We get a lot of questions from women who are not the primary earners, but who are the primary parent and who are seeking a divorce. So how can you get divorced as a stay-at-home mom? Well, we have the answers. The questions covered in this episode include What legal steps should I take to protect my rights and interests as a stay-at-home mom? How will custody arrangements work in my situation, and what's the best outcome for my children? Can I seek financial support, like alimony, during and after the divorce to support my family? What happens to the family home and other shared assets during the divorce process? How can I ensure that I have access to important financial documents and assets? What resources or support systems are available to help me during this transition? Is it possible to continue my education or gain employment while going through a divorce? What role does mediation or collaborative divorce play in my situation, and is that a viable option? How can I take my current skills and add them to a resume? For a new job. The Fresh Starts experts featured in this episode include Cara Francis, divorce attorney, mediator, and divorce coach, Cynthia Cartier, divorce attorney and mediator, founder of Connecticut Mediation and Arbitration Services, Ann Runkle, founder of Forward with Ann, divorce and career coach, Trumel D. Jones, career and resume coach, founder of TDJ Consulting and Career Services. Jolie Vackey, Divorce Lawyer and Mediator, Founder of Foundations Family Law and Mediation Center. Janice Berner, CDFA Financial Advisor, Financial Planner, and Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. And Sarah Lyman, Founder of the Purple Couch Divorce Video Support Course. Purple Couch provides on-demand video courses directly from professionals in law, finance, and mental health. Remember, You can find more info on DivorceGuide.co, DivorceMonth.com, and get in touch with all of these experts on FreshStartsRegistry.com slash experts. Don't forget, you're not alone in this process. We're all here for you. So let's get started. (music)
1: Hi, my name is Jolie Vackey, and I'm a family law and divorce attorney in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And I'm the founding attorney of Foundation Family Law and Mediation Center.
0: Okay, Jolie, we have a question here for you. And it goes like this. Dear Fresh Starts, I'm going through a divorce as a single mom. What legal steps should I be taking to protect my rights and interests as a stay at home mom? And obviously, you know, this is not um, legal, In you know, legal advice necessarily, but from a from a overview standpoint, what would you say about this, Jolie?
1: This is a situation that I have a lot of clients in when they're coming to me. I represent a lot of stay-at-home moms, and they're not the one that's bringing in the income to the family. A lot of times, you know, the finances are controlled by their spouse, um, and they're kind of in a desperate situation because maybe their spouse has cut off their access to their accounts. Um, So what I would say is if you're thinking of, getting divorced, you should start trying to put away some money into a little rainy day account. Um, Open up an individual account, even if it's five, 10, 20 bucks here and there, just start adding to it so you have something to fall back on and at least have a consult with an attorney or be able to pay a retainer to an attorney because you're not going to want to navigate this alone, especially because your spouse has the spending power. They're going to be able to get an attorney. Um, So get some money that you can use to consult with an attorney or hire an attorney. And then also, um, to think about alternative housing arrangements, because sometimes you need to get out of your house and you haven't been able to go to court yet. So if you're able to get some funds stored away, because usually it's not just a, an immediate decision that you're going to get a divorce. There's been a lot of, um, time you've taken to put into this big decision. So do that leading up to when you're actually going to file. Um, another thing is while you're still with your spouse, if you haven't been involved in the finances, you want to try to find out and educate yourself about everything you can with your finances. Um, you know, you may not have even signed off on tax returns. Maybe your, your husband signed for you electronically. Um, look for things around your house, bills that are coming into the house, Look for anything and everything. Take a picture of it on your phone. You don't even have to take the actual statement just so you can start to try to piece together the puzzle of what your financial picture actually is. Because we have found that especially cases where one of the spouses has their own business, this is a a situation that's really ripe for people trying to hide assets. So if you can try to preserve anything and everything heading into the divorce, that's really going to serve you well. Um, Another thing to know is that some states allow attorneys to file motions on behalf of a party to ask that the other spouse pay for the spouse's attorney's fees. So, if you can have enough to get a retainer for your um, an attorney, you can file they, that attorney can file a motion asking for more funds for you to be able to continue your, your legal representation. Um, so, that's an important thing to know. You might want to ask about it because that's a way that you can continue to pay your attorney without having the funds in your bank account available to do that. Um, and then I would say you want to start. Um, gathering important documents. So your marriage certificate, the kid's birth certificate, social security cards. If you don't know where these things are, start to look for them um, and try to create a file where they're easily accessible to you. Um, And then... Really, you're just going to want to build your divorce support network even before you file for divorce because this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Besides having an attorney, you're going to want to have a lot of people on your side to help you get through this. Um, And I know that Fresh Starts has a lot of great resources for this, but whether it be getting into counseling if you're not in it already, getting a divorce coach, Whoever and whatever, whatever floats your boat, there's tons of modalities out there. Just surround yourself and get that support network set up ahead of time because it'll be too overwhelming and you'll be too in the weeds once you actually file the divorce. So those would be my tips.
0: Those are such great tips. And you take... Such a gentle and warm approach to this. We get, I can't even tell you how many messages a day from stay-at-home moms who are like, is this possible? Is this possible? Mm-hmm. It is possible, right? You can get divorced as a stay-at-home mom. You're not stuck forever. But I, I I, always say the same thing you do. You need to start saving money, right? You need to start doing something, whether that's babysitting for the neighbor's kids, whether that's selling things on Etsy, whether that's whatever it mm-hmm. is, just start making some income. Everybody, every woman should have her own income. We get some questions from people who never had access to the financial documents and they're being kept from the financial documents. It's financial abuse, right? So in those cases, what are the steps that somebody can take to get access to those documents?
1: they may not be able to do it before they file for divorce and they may have to wait until they actually file. In Massachusetts where I practice, once a divorce is filed, each party has to supply mandatory financial disclosures to the other, which includes the past three years of all bank statements, retirement accounts, stock accounts. So if you really don't have access now You will be able to get access after. And if there's not a mandatory exchange in your state, then you can at least um, serve discovery requests to the other side asking. For these documents to be provided to you and your attorney, and if they don't comply, then there's um, a motion you can file in court mm-hmm. for them to be compelled to provide it to you. So there needs to be um, full financial disclosure before you ever sign on the dotted line because you need to be able to make educated decisions. So if you're locked out, if you have no access, if you're totally in the dark, you're able to get that information, but only once you file for divorce.
0: Okay, that makes sense. One of the things that we talk a lot about at Fresh Starts is like just the scripts for for doing these hard moments, these hard things. So if there's a single, if there's a mom who is looking to go through a divorce and she's considering divorce, um, and I say mom because that's just kind of what this episode's about, but obviously Mm -hmm. men too. Um, You know, I think a lot of the fear comes in what to say when you call a divorce attorney to Mm -hmm. set up a consultation. Especially when you don't have finances of your own and you're the primary parent and you're with the kids all day and you're sneaking out to the car, right, to make these phone calls. What is Mm -hmm. just like a really simple thing if somebody was to call your office
1: and say, hi, I'm calling because, you know, and they're looking for a divorce, what can they say? They can just say that they're considering thinking of getting a divorce from their spouse and they're just looking for a, a general information. And your attorney knows what the process is, how how to file everything. They're going to want to know the details. They'll know the right questions to ask. Just tell them you're looking for information about the divorce process. And that's as easy and as simple as it has to be.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Jolie. That will
0: definitely take the stress away. Okay, so before we let you go, we have one more question for you. (laughs) So this one says... Uh, as a single mom, how would child custody arrangements work in my situation? And what's the best outcome for my children? And again, obviously, very general, every single situation is different. And I like to remind people, there's a million different ways to create a divorce agreement. But from a single parent's perspective, especially somebody who's very, maybe the primary caregiver, and, um, you know, the one that's with the kids all day. What does that look like, kind of moving forward in the divorce process and with custody? So it depends.
1: I have clients that I re- that, that I represent who are primary caretakers, and some of them want to remain that way after their divorce. So they want to have primary physical custody of their kids. You know, dad gets um, periodic parenting time, but the children re- reside primarily with mom. They want to keep it that way. But then I have other clients who are like, you know what, um, he wants to step up and do you have some more parenting time, I think that would be great. Like I'd be all for an, a more shared parenting schedule to free up some of my time so I can do some other things and earn some money. So it depends on what your goals are after the divorce, if it's really important to you to stay home with your kids, maybe until they go to school at a certain age, or if you are um, open to having more time um, for your, um, your spouse. So, but if you're looking to really keep the same after your divorce, if you want to remain the primary parent and that's important to you, um, I mean, you have an advantage going into family court because you've set a precedent that you are the primary caretaker. You've left your career. You've been home with the children. You've been taking them to their appointments, doing all the school stuff. You've been doing that. So you have the advantage that that should continue if, you know, when the marriage is no longer intact. However, I will add a note of caution here because um, as at least where I practice and from other jurisdictions I've heard, there has been more of a move for judges to kind of start at a default that Parents should have uh, joint custody, physical custody after a divorce, unless there's a really good reason not to. And this seems very unfair because if one parent has left the workforce, it, they, they agreed during the marriage that they were going to be the primary caretaker. Now, all of a sudden, because they're getting divorced, that's not going to be the arrangement anymore. That seems very unfair. And I agree with that. I think that is... Um, I don't think that's a move in the right direction for the family court, but we have to deal with, I mean, the judge in your case is the decision maker. So what they say is is going to go. So to set you up for the best possible position to try to maintain that primary custodial status after the divorce, I would just make sure that you are the one who is doing all the things for the kids, get it documented by all kinds of outside providers possible, teachers, doctors, dentists, um, extracurricular activities, their coaches, all of those people, they should know your name. Um, They should know you're the one that brings them to the things, that signs them up. Um, Make it known that you're the parent who is really managing and um, coordinating everything for your kids. Um, And also I think, Another thing that's important here too is um, talking to your kids about what their wishes are after you know um, what their family looks different and getting their input. It depends on their age, obviously, um, but if they're old enough, you know, it, it it might be worth it to see like what do you think would be a good reason, a good way to split time between mom and dad's house, um, and maybe that might take some of the burden off of you too because if they're okay with spending more of a split time that might give you some relief and like, be like, okay, maybe I, maybe I can be open to this change where I previously wasn't. Um, It can be a little tough, though, because a lot of times, you know, kids will be like, well, I just want you and mom, mom and dad to stay together. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. So in this new normal, like, what what do you think? What, you know, just get their input, because don't be afraid to ask them questions. I mean, the court doesn't want parents influencing the kids, like coaching them or saying bad things about the other parent. But you can talk to them like the human beings that they are to get input into this huge transition that's happening for their life, too. Um, so those are just my, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to remind people, I say this a lot, but like the
0: divorce settlement that you arrange when your kids are young may not be the same divorce settlement when they're older, mm-hmm. right? Things can change. I know mine own, mine has stuff in there. We're going to have to address, right? So can you just talk about that for like one second? It's just how yeah.
1: like, it's not set in
0: stone forever. What you put Absolutely. down,
1: that is such an important thing to mention Um, Issues relating to children, child support, child custody, the parenting schedule, those are always modifiable, always. So you can return to court and get changes to them. So your final divorce agreement is final until it's changed again when it comes to children's issues. So that's a good way to think about it is like this is what we're agreeing on for the circumstances right now. Things are going to change in life. Your kids are going to get older. You're probably going to each move, move jobs. So you can, and you'll address those things as they come up. You don't have to try and think about all hypothetical situations from the very beginning, because that's just going to overwhelm and confuse you and not help you get to an agreement that you're okay with right now. 100%.
0: So before we let you go, just could you give us a couple words of encouragement for a mom
1: Mm -hmm. who is considering divorce right now? you are not alone. This is happening to women all across the country every day of every week of every year. Um, Even though it's not talked about a lot, this is happening in every neighborhood in America. Um, And it seems like it's the worst possible time of your life. It seems dark. You don't know how. the hardest part is the uncertainty. You're not going to know how your new life is going to look like after this. But if you know in your heart that this is the right decision for you and your children, it's going there there's it's going to be okay. It's going to turn out better than it is now. And one of my favorite parts of working in this job is checking in with my clients, you know, six months, a year, two years after the divorce, and knowing what they're up to, and them just having such a better aura and perspective on life and it was all worth it. All of that darkness was worth it to get to the life that they wanted for themselves and their kids. So you will get through this. you're not alone, and you're doing the right thing. I love that, and I'm a testament to that.
0: i really i the other side of divorce is so beautiful. it just you know you have to get through that messy time. um mm-hmm. but working with a lawyer like you who's on your side and who is compassionate, i think is is everything. So I appreciate all of your wise words. Thank you so much, Julie.
1: Thanks
2: for having me, Olivia. This is fun. So my name's is D. Jones. I am a strategic success and workplace wellness coach. And I know that that's a long title, but it really encompasses all the things that it takes to get your job and then keep it. So anytime you're thinking about what gets you the job, whether it's resume writing, cover letters, um, interview prep, all of those things. To get you there, I'm happy to help you with, but I'm also happy to help you once you get that job and maybe you run into some static with a coworker, you're dealing with a bad boss, or you're just trying to figure out how to move up swiftly within the company. That's really the unknown part of career coaching. People don't realize that once they get the job, there's still so much value that a career coach can offer. And that's the reason why I've kind of split my title into success and workplace wellness.
0: Okay, Tramel. So, question came in and it goes like this. Hi there. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom and I haven't worked in any capacity beyond being a full-time parent for years. I'm in the middle of a divorce and I really need to start looking for work. How can I take my current skill set and add those skills to my resume for
2: a job? This is such a great question and um, whoever wrote this in Number one, I want to tell you that you're not alone. There are a lot of people who are trying to figure out how the heck do they write a resume when they haven't been present in workforce for a while. And so I want to tell you, you have value. And the thing is, sometimes it's hard on your own to kind of piece that out. So as a career coach, like I want to make sure that I identify what are the hidden tasks of value that you've been doing since you've been out of the workplace. And a lot of this comes down to basic things we do as parents, period, that we don't even think matter, right? So obviously you're paying bills, you're balancing books, right? You're meal planning, you're managing time, right? You're transporting somebody, whether it be yourself, your children, a family member, whoever the case, there's all these different skills that take a lot of coordination, that we can really parse out and make sure that they are showcased in a manner that connects with a position. But what I would say first is if you haven't had the time to be really self-reflective and pull out what are the things that are your strengths, it's going to be really hard to look at a job, any job, and feel like you have anything to offer. So step one, And this is the precursor. Before you even think about where it is that you want to apply, we need to do some career planning, right? We want to make sure that we look at your strengths and we take out the things that are going to be helpful for any job. Those are your transferable skills. So that's anything from customer service, communication. Those are those things that people can't teach and we get them through life experience, right? So we want to take those and put them onto your resume. The other thing that we need to do is then start to look at positions that are going to be helpful for what your current situation is. So if we look, I always tell people to use something that I call the bullseye method when looking for positions. And the reason why I'm referring to it as a bullseye is because, as you know, the bullseye starts with dead center, right? That's right on point. And then from there, you have another circle that's outside of that and then a circle outside of that and a circle outside of that. I want you to think about this bullseye as you being the center. Start looking for positions that are literally connected to where you are physically. I do this with Google Maps. I literally open up Google Maps and I look to see, is there somewhere within walking distance where I can work? Because the more time that you spend transporting yourself to where you're going to work, that's time away from your family or whatever it is that you're taking care of outside of work, right? So from there, if I can't find anything in walking distance, I'll then go to the next circle. What's within the next five to 10 minutes of travel and then bigger and bigger and bigger. So that bullseye method is going to help us identify positions where you can apply that are as close as possible. And then, of course, if you are already maybe um, someone who previously did something that was And the upper echelon of like degreed positions, maybe you were a lawyer in a past life, we want to then, instead of using that bullseye method, we want to tap into your network. I tell people, talk to your friends and see who's hiring within your network first, because those are usually the people who are going to speak as highly about you as possible. And they'll be able to tell you the things they know you're great for. And don't second guess them. Don't say to them, no, friend, I don't think I can do that. If they suggested it, they see something in you, go ahead and apply. So in order to have a resume that works for all of these situations, whether you're using the bullseye method or you're connecting with your network, we want to take all of that soul searching, those strengths that we identified before, and we want to put them into your resume, Whether it be in the top section where we literally are going to label it strengths and we'll put those soft skills and possibly any hard skills that you've identified and been able to maybe uh, do some training online or maybe you've done some volunteering. We'll put those things on your resume and then we'll go through and we're literally going to talk about your gap. I think some people get really scared. About, oh, I don't want to tell people I've been out of the workforce. The thing is, it's going to come up. But the, the problem with our fear is that when we think about it and give it so much power, it can overtake everything. If instead you put it in your resume and you literally make it what it is, it's no longer the focus. Instead, this person reading your resume sees your gap as the honesty that you are providing and starts to look elsewhere for the value that you bring. I know that's a lot, but I hope that answered the question. It did, I have some questions back for you. I think that's
0: so helpful. So what about remote jobs? How do you feel about those?
2: I love remote, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, As we are getting further and further away from the pandemic and organizations are getting backed up as far as them needing to justify having these office spaces, we're starting to see that some opportunities for remote are vanishing. Now, I don't want to alarm anybody with that. Remote work is going to exist probably from now until forever, simply because there are startup organizations and that is all they do because it's easier to start a business and have a workforce that's all around the world, and not have right. to pay those right. big fees. So I just need you to know that some people are going to tell you, where well, there are no more re- uh, remote jobs. And, you know, they're probably thinking about that one job that they have where they're not allowing them to go work remote. <laughs> there's always going to be remote positions. You really have to, number one, look for them. I know of a couple of sites where that's all they list. Yep. So um, for, for my clients who come to me and say, I only want to work remote. Okay, let's do it. There are spaces where we can go and look. Um, I think that... I actually had a remote position and I loved it. And I was finding that I could make my own hours around my daughter since I'm a single mom and I run a business. um, Sometimes I don't want to work during pickup, right? Mm -hmm. I need to be able to get in that car line and then get home, get her settled, get dinner going, and then maybe I can go and work. There are a lot of positions via remote that allow you to do that.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. I think it depends on the ages of your kids, too, right? Because if you have kids that are in school, let's say from nine to four, you could go get a job at the local Starbucks, which I know a lot of people do, which they have great benefits. Or you could go, you know, to work someplace at a library or a lot of moms I know go work at the school. Right. They'll do some help. Um, But I think remote jobs, too, are wonderful. If you have younger kids, right, maybe if you are you can't get out. Um, In terms of the different kinds of jobs, I know because I help, I look for remote jobs a lot too. There's things like data entry and customer service, right? So what are some kind of like topics that people could go look at? I'm thinking specifically kind of remote for a lot of these women that maybe can't um, take time away from the household,
2: but need to be making money. I'll be honest with you. I really shy away from using job titles as search criteria. Because a lot of times we're thinking, oh, I'll just put data entry in and it pulls up nothing and we're kind of defeated. So yeah. instead, I like to stick with some broader terms until I find what I'm looking for and then kind of um, parse in a little bit more from there. Now, like I mentioned, there are a couple of places where you can go and look for 100% remote jobs or just um, that's all they post. Mm-hmm. Um I actually follow a couple of people online who have vetted on online positions that are we're not talking about take surveys. okay? we're talking about legit work. Yeah. yeah. If you're working with maybe a cruise line doing some of their email marketing or if you're doing maybe customer service like you mentioned. Um, But the online job that I had was I was a relationship coach and we did it all via text or online chat, Um, right before I left, they were about to go into visual calls, right? Mm. But literally they ran 24 hours a day in multiple countries. So I could pick up shifts throughout the day and night, right? So this made it so easy for me to be able to, um, you know, get my daughter up for school, take her to school, drop her off, me get home, maybe eat something, get on. And I would be on until she got out of school. Right. And then um, maybe I would take because, of course, I'm a coach myself. So I would take my take my own coaching calls. And then sometime if I felt like it, I would take more calls through Mm, into the the dead of night. Right. So depending, there's just so many opportunities. And so what what people have to understand is you really have to kind of be open until you find something, because if you're too specific, sometimes you lose a lot of options. Right. Right. I love that. I'm going to loop back to what you said before, which
0: Mm -hmm. is using your skills like maybe you were a class mom and you know how to call people. Right. So you could translate that to customer service. And I want to just make a note that we're talking about legitimate jobs here. Yes. Yes. We're Um, talking about swag bucks, which I used to. Right. And we're not talking about multi-level marketing either. Right. You shouldn't have to invest money into a job. That's not the kind of jobs we're talking about we're talking about sustainable income for you and your
2: your we're children. Talking about W2s.
0: Right. Thank <laughs> you <laughs> because it comes up and I wanted to make note of that cuz it does come up because unfortunately a lot of those multi-level marketing companies do target people going through divorces and single moms. Um and, and nothing nothing's wrong
2: with that if it's what you truly want to do, but in a lot of instances, women and men who are coming out of these types of situations and need the support are looking for positions where they just show up, do the work and are able to leave and then go take care of the rest of their life. Right. Not necessarily looking to like, you know, do all of the additional and extra stuff that comes with those things before you ever see a die. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. I think that's a huge point. And also they don't have money to maybe invest in inventory to then sell. No, this is incredibly helpful. And um, if anybody needs guidance, definitely reach out to Terrell. She is uh, the go to person to help with all of this. Thank you so much, Tamal. No problem at all.
3: Hi, I'm Kara Francis. I am a former divorce lawyer turned divorce coach, as well as a divorce survivor. And I partner with my clients as a coach through all stages of the divorce journey, from Deciding whether divorce is the right path for them to preparing to take the leap if divorce is the path they want to go down, as well as support during the negotiations and after the divorce is over uh, with their post divorce blank slate. Okay, so Kara,
0: we got this question and somebody said, Hi, Fresh Starts. I'm a stay at home mom who is desperately seeking a divorce, but I have no financial income of my own. Can I seek financial support, like alimony, during and after the
3: divorce to help support me and my kids? So likely, yes. It depends on the specific laws of your state as far as how it's all going to shake out. So um, the purpose of alimony in general is to allow the the non-working spouse or the less-moneyed spouse... Um, time to rehabilitate and to ideally become self-supporting or as self-supporting as possible with support. Um, and so that's what a lot of state statutes, that, that general policy are modeled around. And so based on the law in your state, that's going to determine what is considered when determining whether or not you are entitled to receive support. So for example, um, in Illinois where I practice, Um, some of the factors that are considered are basically every single fact of the marriage, right? The court has a lot of discretion here, but some examples include your age, your health, um, your ability to become employed, just given the history of the marriage, um, your contributions as a spouse or primary parent or, or, or stay at home parent um, are just as relevant as, the contributions of the spouse who is working because but for your contributions that spouse wouldn't be able to earn money. So um what else is considered? Um the lifestyle of your family is very important. Children, I would imagine too, right? Yeah. And um as well as you know what the realistic earning capacity is of the current stay at home parent. Um the future given their education given maybe their employment before the marriage um things of that nature but the goal is to come up with a spouse support amount that is going to allow you to maintain the same or the similar type of lifestyle you enjoyed during the marriage as you work to become more self-sufficient um and there's temporary support, and then there's long-term support, you know, post-divorce support after the case is over. So all of the states have their own laws as far as how is that determined. One other thing to keep in mind is that child support is usually separate from spousal support. So child support is really geared towards um, the basic necessities for your kids, food, shelter, clothing, right? Um Spousal support is separate. It's a separate obligation of the payor spouse. So there could be potentially be two different streams of support. In addition to that, there will also be a division of property. So um, that is access to other financial Mm -hmm. cash flow, depending on the nature of the marital state, what all, what it's all composed of. Um, And the division of the property is also relevant for purposes of support. So if you and your spouse can't agree on all of these things, the court will kind of look at the whole holistic situation. And the goal, again, is to ensure that the spouse and the children enjoy the same type of lifestyle or similar lifestyle post.
0: I like that you said it's like a bridge, right? It's like a bridge to like the next steps, because if you were a stay-at-home mom for 12 years, you you know that was your full-time job you're gonna just gonna take you a little time to get your act together to uh you know start your next career fresh start so um in terms of figuring out what you need from that is that something that a divorce coach
3: could help you work through a little bit so i think the most important components are um you know that factual consideration of all of those factors that i mentioned um determining what your your spouse's income is. So like, what is the pie that is available here? Determining what your and the children's expenses are, Um, that's super relevant. And yeah, a coach could definitely help, not necessarily filling out the forms, but helping the client stay organized and come up with a plan to either get this information or complete this information, because oftentimes the state on parent maybe doesn't have access to the finances so that's another um, issue that we can on in coaching and perhaps their attorney could assist them with getting that information but again the purpose of of the coaching sphere is to provide that support that you don't necessarily get from your attorney um, of somebody who's been there who's seen it personally and professionally in the case um, and who knows what issues to be on the lookout for and how to stay ahead of the game.
0: Yeah, I think that this probably just gives a lot of hope to women to know like it gives them a little time right to figure their their stuff out. And I think that that's that's really important. And that's why it's built into the system. Right. I would assume. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, so moving on to the next question while we have you here. So uh, somebody said I'm a full time parent, so stay at home parent. Uh, who stays home with my kids, and I'm a little confused about my options when it comes to divorce. What role does mediation or collaborative divorce play in my situation? Is it even a viable option? And obviously, none of this is legal advice, um, which, you know, we all know. But just in terms of maybe what does that mean? right? What is, I I had never even heard of the term collaborative divorce. you know. And um, so what, you know, as a stay-at-home parent who doesn't have the funds, right, to go to litigate, I would assume, which could be very, very costly. Um, What does that mean to mediate or for collaborative divorce?
3: Of course. So um, mediation and collaboration, they have some similarities and some important differences. Both of them are methods of alternative dispute resolution. So that means you're staying out of court. And um, inherently, that means that they will likely be less expensive, more flexible and you have more control compared to litigation so already that's kind of a, a benefit of either of these options um let's go through maybe some of the differences so mediation is where one neutral person who's known as the mediator um, facilitates negotiations between you and your spouse that could be between you and your spouse directly it could be through attorneys Um, but regardless, you've got that one neutral person there whose role is to manage the process of negotiation. So that mediator is, while they may be a lawyer, they're not your lawyer. They are not a decision maker. They're not a fact finder. Their sole role is to be that bridge between the parties so that they can have a dialogue about how they want to settle their case. Um, Collaboration is a little different. So it's more of a team approach. So that means there can be multiple neutrals in the case. So the mediator is still there, and their role essentially remains the same. Um, But there can also be a child specialist. There can be um, a certified divorce financial analyst. There can be a CPA. There can be a bunch of neutral professionals involved in the case whose role is to really support the parties in reaching an agreement. So they they remain neutral. They're not on either party's individual team. Um, and then so you've got those neutrals, you've got the parties, and then you've got the attorneys. So um, it's more formal because you typically all meet together. So there's just more people involved, but it's people who are specializing in each of the specific areas. Um, And the one important caveat about collaboration is that if you end up not reaching an agreement, then in general, the attorneys usually have to withdraw from the case and you have to start over with new attorneys. So it's kind of like an extra incentive to to really work hard to settle your case. Um, So those are the main differences between mediation and collaboration, regardless of whether it's a viable option. That really depends on the willingness and amicability of Because you could have one party who is willing to bend over backwards to go through mediation or collaboration, and the other party who is just not willing to even go there, they have to be told by a judge what to do. Uh, And so a lot of that is very dependent on the personality types of the parties involved. That is totally true. Absolutely.
0: Um, But either way, generally speaking, it's cheaper, right? it costs less to do mediation than to go. I know with my own mediation, we started with a mediator and then we had to bring our own documents to our own lawyers. And I mean, it adds it adds up over time, but it was nothing near what it would have been like to go to to court. Um, so if you're a stay at home parent and you're trying to seek a divorce, maybe really looking for a mediator that can work with both of you would be a good option
3: yeah and you can even um some mediators specialize in certain types of divorces so um for example some people really specialize in like a higher conflict divorce where the parties can't really communicate but they can communicate through their attorneys and still reach an agreement um so different mediators specialize in different things some of them are former lawyers some of them are former judges um Some of them are just trained as mediators. So Mm -hmm. really, again, comes back to doing your research and finding the mediator who's going to be most aligned with your unique case. And just before we let you go, Kara, as somebody that works with a lot of
0: uh, particularly women going through a divorce, if you are listening to this and you're a stay-at-home parent or a stay-at-home mom and you feel so hopeless, like, you know, you don't even know how to work your way out of this, what would be just some like a wise words that you could give to them to get them going on this journey?
3: I would say one day at a time. Small progress is still progress. When you think of it, big picture, it can get really overwhelming. All of the things that need to happen, especially if you have kids. Um, All you can do is take it one day at a time and stay present in the moment. I know that that's easier said than done sometimes. Um, but if you're worrying or stressing about the future, you can't play full out in the here and now. And right now is all we have. So try to stay present. Take it one day at a time. Process your feelings along the way. Don't let them bottle up. Um, and most importantly, you can do it. It's been done before, and you you have the power to do this. It's just um, it's all about believing in yourself and and knowing that you can do it. And if you need help, Kara works virtually, nationally <laughs> as a
0: coach. So she's there by your side, too. Thank you so much, Kara. You're welcome.
4: Hello, everyone. My name is uh, attorney Cynthia Cartier. I'm practicing in Connecticut. I have been practicing law for, I can't believe it, uh, close to 35 years. Um, and I focus primarily on family law um, and estate planning and, and all things related to family and elder law. Okay, Cindy, we have a question for you. So this question
0: comes to us from a stay at home mom. And she says, what happens to the family home that we live in and other shared assets during the divorce process with the context that there probably was one parent who was the breadwinner and one parent who was staying home with the children.
4: So people have to remember or be or, or understand that a marriage is a contract, and even though it's not written as as laid out a contract of what each other's responsibilities, it is written in the law, and essentially each party has an obligation and responsibility to each other to provide support, both financial support and emotional support and the like. When you're going through divorce, if one party has been the primary breadwinner. The court will look to that person and continue to support and the marital home at least temporarily um, and possibly more so in the terms of child support and alimony down the road those are things that you would ultimately either agree upon or the court would order but temporarily the courts will automatically put what they call pendente lite which means temporary orders in place maintaining a level of support for the home so the, the most challenging thing is when somebody initially files for divorce there's a lot of emotion that goes on, a lot of fear, a lot of concern, especially if it's that breadwinning spouse that's filing. And the other person's like, wait a minute, I didn't even know he wanted a divorce. And now here we are. So the best thing you could do at that point, obviously retain counsel, but to get there and ask the court to make these temporary orders, part of those temporary orders can also be legal fees. So the court can order legal fees if you're not working because you know you're staying home, taking care of the children. Going forward, how the assets are distributed and how they're paid for will be either based upon a determination and agreement between the two of you, and may involve the wife being able to stay in the home for a period of time—a year, or two years, or longer—in the house with the other person providing a level of support. The expectation that the wife may or may not have to go out and get a job at some point—all those things would be taken into consideration, as well as possibly selling the marital home. I have a couple that I'm, I'm working with right now that the home is was really based upon. You know, the husband living in the home, his his entire income going to the home. If they're going to split, now they have two uh, households to support. so the the there's no way that he'll be able to sustain two households. So the house the home is going to have to be sold. um, but we're doing it over the course of a year to give the wife a chance to go out and get a job um, to get some money coming in to get the children situated and the like. So whether you end up litigating it or mediating it, there's there's a time process that's going to occur to give you a chance to. To figure some of those things out. As far as all the other assets, so that's bill paying and the and the the house is an asset, all the other assets would also be looked at to be potentially split and shared depending on you know whether they were premarital assets. It depends on the state you're in as to what determines premarital assets and the like. So all everything that you have, I tell people, don't look at what whose name is in what. It doesn't matter. Uh, we have to look at all the assets collectively and we determine what assets would would be considered as part of the marital estate and not.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful. I think something that I didn't know going into this and I try to tell people when they come to me is that nothing happens immediately, right? You're not going to be kicked out of your house typically, right? Immediately. Yes, absolutely. And there's always, always ways to do things, right? So like I know transparency like in my stipulation it said something along the lines of like i had to refinance the house under my name only so i paid the mortgage and he, i had a year to do it or something like that otherwise the house yeah. would be sold right and i wasn't even making a ton of money at the time but i had been yeah. making enough to eke out the refinance for the mortgage yeah you know, and there's people who have all different situations. I know we had a lot of options laid out to us by our mediators and by our lawyers. So I just want people to remember that there's so many options out there for that. Um, if, if you had any advice for the parent that was not the breadwinner, just in terms of general, like finances
4: and protecting themselves during this time, what would you say for that? Well, you know, I the biggest serious thing is if you don't have any money or resources, how am I going to do this? How am I going to afford a lawyer? But it's important that you do have legal counsel and legal representation. So if the if your spouse is not inclined to do mediation um, and bear the cost of that, because again, if they're the breadwinner, then you have to get yourself an attorney. Legal aid is an avenue if you'll if you don't have resources, but they do look at total household income. Lawyers take credit cards, they take, you know, um, you know, other sources of payment, and they will also, depending on the husband's assets and income and the overall assets in the marriage, um, they will make a determination about whether or not they can handle your case. I don't want to speak for all counsel, but that's how they would look at it. But I think the best way to go if you have some ability to talk to your spouse or work with them is to consider taking a mediated approach. But with the mediated approach, you also still want to seek what we call a counsel review because as good as your mediator is, you also want to have an attorney that can review the agreement that you feel that uh, can ensure that your the, the agreement that you're making, the deal you're getting is the appropriate situation for her, for you. Also, and I oftentimes, and this is not to sound sexist, but I get this a lot with women. They just want it to be over with. You don't want to push it because this agreement is going to live with you forever that's it i mean you know certain things can be modified down the road but when it comes to property settlements and the like it can't be you want to make sure that you take the time you take the due diligence to make sure that this agreement is the right agreement for you now and going forward and it's really key to do that a good mediator is going to allow the process to unfold it's going to allow you to take the time to do that if you're litigating you're not going to get divorced overnight it's going to take some time anyway yeah but either way you don't want to rush it I just talked to a friend of my uh, daughter's, she does an activity, they have a mediator, and she um, came to me for a counsel review and same thing. I just want it to be over with, I can't deal with this anymore, I'm like, no. <laughs> like, listen to me, as hard as this is, and I know it's hard, and I know you just wanna put your head under a pillow, I get it, but you have to persevere because at the end of the day, you don't wanna look back and go, oh, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, now I'm, I am I, can't do that. So. It's important that you have a good team around you and you take the time to do that. And again, as someone who's not making an income, there's also a huge fear there because you're afraid of how you're going to manage all this. But give it time. It will work through. It will work itself out. And there are resources and people out there that can help.
0: Yeah. And we have a lot of resources on other podcast episodes as well as at Fresh Starts and how to update your resume, get remote work, get everything you need to make a little money. Cause I believe every woman should be making money. Even if it's $5 a day, you need to have something in your pocket. Um, That is all super, super good advice. And just to remind me, mediators can work. Do they have to be in the same state or can they work anywhere?
4: They can work anywhere. Um, It's, you know, when I do provide legal counsel, it can only be in the state of Connecticut where I'm licensed. Um, But as a mediator, you can work anywhere, Yes.
0: Yeah, I did that same thing too, Cindy. I we had um, well multiple mediators, we bounced around and then we ended up with a mediator. And we had our own lawyers and the lawyers ended up, you know, hashing everything out. So it was a as as calm as you could make it, I would say. Um, But it's a really great method, I think, for a lot of people to, uh, to, you know, remember that it doesn't
4: have to always be like this huge, you know, going to court movie scene. Well, and the you know I tell people the beauty of doing mediation or collaborative divorce, where you both have counsel but you work in a mediated like environment, is that it provokes and 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 entices and encourages and forces in some contexts for you to communicate. And part of the breakdown of the marriage is the lack of communication, the lack of connection, the inability to work together. When you litigate, you only further instigate that. So you're only further adding to the acrimony. So with mediation, you have the ability to start taking a step back, to to work through the issues. You know, and I tell people, oftentimes it will feel therapeutic, but it's not therapy. I'm not a licensed therapist. But anytime we're talking about things that are important to us, there's an emotional component. I I could and I do, I litigate business resolutions. I litigate employment issues. There's still an emotional component to all of those things. But it's how you work with your emotions and how you manage it will help you get through it. Um, but again, in a divorce in particular, especially where you have kids, we talked about this. You have to continue to work together. And to me, that's the challenge with litigation is that you're not building up those skills. And at the end of it, you probably end up despising your spouse more than you did when you went in. Yeah. Um, whereas with mediation, you could try to get through and get past some of that. So that's why I always try to encourage people to at least start with mediation. It's kind of like good cop, yep. cop bad cop. Start with it if it doesn't work and it doesn't work for everybody. And I get that. But you can always litigate, you know. Yeah. So at least, and I've had couples that have done the opposite. They've litigated and they've come to me mm-hmm. to try to mediate the issues they, you know, that they have left remaining. So, so if anybody is definitely looking a good process, yeah. So if
0: anybody's looking for a mediator, you are available. And- I am available, <laughs> and they can go to Fresh Starts and find you there. Before we let you go, you work with so many people. If there is a stay-at-home mom who is listening to this and she is shaking in her boots right now. Cause it is like, you know, it's so scary. What would just be something you could impart to
4: her? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I would tell her give me a call because I'll be more than happy to talk to you. I don't charge for a phone call. And I think I've done a lot over the course of my career. And it's my way of giving back to put you at ease that you're not alone and you aren't alone. At the same time, you want to reach out and call every one of your friends. You also want to be mindful of that as well, because this is a personal issue you're going through. Sometimes couples don't get divorced sometimes when they go through things and they work it out with their spouse. So what I would say is breathe and take a breath and it does work through itself and you will get through this. Nobody's going to leave you stranded. The courts do provide support at the end of the day, if you need to go that avenue. The other thing is you may want to you know, seek, do some therapy work as well at some point. I always encourage all of my clients to, to do some therapy work because I think it helps you individually. Um, and you may need that and know that there are resources and there are professionals out there that are willing to help. So, you know, search for those first before you necessarily pick up the phone to call a friend. Cause that's a wonderful thing. I get the, ins- the, the reliance, but the friend is just gonna rally with you. The friend's not gonna be able to help you professionally. So get that professional out there to, to get you started, to put your mind at ease. I can't tell you how many times, Livia, in my 30-something year career, when I've after I've talked to someone, particularly that stay-at-home mom, and I get off, you know, five, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, she says, I feel so much better now. And I said, that's why I do what I do. So you know, it will work. And you know, I hate to say it half the marriages are ending in divorce, plus, so. You know, it's something that's not foreign to our country and Mm -mm. people are doing it every day. And there are, again, a lot of resources and things out there to help like Fresh Start, like other um, professionals as well.
0: Well, I feel better just talking to you and I've been divorced for four years. So uh, (laughs) we're really happy to have you here and thank you for all of this info. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Cindy, you can go find her at freshstartsregistry.com slash experts. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you so much.
5: Berner, and I'm a certified public accountant and a certified divorce financial analyst. After 20 years as a CPA and a finance and audit director with Fidelity and other companies, I became a CDFA because I have personal and a lot of professional experience with divorce.
0: Okay, Janice, I have a question for you here. So we get this question actually a lot from people, and especially from women who maybe are the primary you know, child care providers, their home. And mm-hmm. A lot of women especially want to know if they're going through a divorce, how can they ensure that they also have access to the important financial documents and assets within the family system?
5: So what can they do, Janice? Uh, Okay. So as we contemplate divorce, think of divorce, and I would even argue not contemplating divorce, the more involved that we can get and more exposed we can get to our financial house, the better. And what does this involve? Well, there are key financial documents that you want access to, one of which would be your tax return, which you are signing off on every year, even if it's over at the kitchen table or somebody sends you an email and you electronically sign. That document contains a lot of information about the source accounts that are generating, for example, interest income right, or dividend income. That means you have an investment account. From there, we can go backwards. Um, and dig if we need to, if we don't have other documents. So that one would be super important. Another one that is often now electronic, not paper, but is attached to the tax return as backup to give to the CPA are pay stubs. The pay stub is going to tell you a whole bunch about where money is going, not just tax-wise, but benefits-wise. Who carries the life insurance? Who carries the disability? Are there funds being diverted from your pay and put into a savings account someplace? All of that is really key information, both for financial planning, but also for you as you go into the divorce to know where you stand. Okay, Investment statements. Many times people check the box and say, I still want to get paper at home. They may or they may not. So say you have an account with XYZ Investment Company. You may see an email come through every once in a while. it's a joint account that says your statement is ready to view. Doesn't matter from what time period that statement was, click on an old email, go through your sent email and your incoming email and, and search under the name of your investment company, for example, Fidelity, and see if something pops up. Click on that link and print a statement. That's going to give us account information. It's going to tell us how it's invested. right? Preferable is not just a balance, but where do those monies sit? If it's a listing of the different mutual funds or ETFs that it's in, all the better. Then I know the risk that you're exposed to currently, the kinds of returns you should expect, et cetera, okay? You may have login credentials, um, meaning that you are accustomed these days to getting online and seeing your accounts. I would tell you that as you contemplate divorce, because sometimes people go in and change things, try to gather this thing, this stuff ahead of time maybe quietly if you think the other person is just going to get emotional and shut things down on you. Go in, log in, try to get as much as you can from there or from the paper and just start a file someplace. Keep it someplace secret for yourself. I hate to say, but you know, we all know we all get sort of protective of information when we feel challenged. Um, and it's much easier to do this way. Now, say you can't, okay? Say the divorce is already underway What's going to happen and expect in the process is after you've interviewed your attorney, as we were talking about earlier, and if you have found someone or you're going through mediation, there'll be what's called the discovery process where one side asks the other side to produce these financial documents, investment statements, mortgage statements, any debt statements for cars that are owed money on or credit cards. Say we we have a joint debt for a credit card company that'll be basically subpoenaed and the other side will be forced to produce them. But the key for you is try to do it ahead of time so that you have it, but also you want a starting point because then sometimes what happens is funds disappear. I hate to say it. They may either get spent intentionally or unintentionally and we want a trail, right? So if we had a joint savings account at one point, and you think you might still have it, keep the old statement, make a copy of it. Okay. Just identify um, assets that you think have come up in conversation that you may have. And if you don't have any idea and you haven't been part of the finances at all, anything that you can pull together is more helpful. So in talking to somebody like myself, a certified divorce financial analyst, we're going to ask you questions about what does life cost? I have no clue. My husband pays the bills or the reverse. My wife pays the bills. I see that too. I promise. Okay, well, just tell me how you live your life. As a former auditor, I can recreate for you where that money seems to be going, and then I'll poke at things. I'll say, what kind of credit card do we use? Do we take money out of the bank to pay for these things? And we will come up with a way to identify costs of living, where the assets might be, where the debts might be. And my goal is to remove as much stress from you as possible
0: by asking those
5: questions and helping you.
0: Yeah, that's super, super, super helpful. And I think it's important to remember like you said with that discovery what's it called the discovery
5: discovery process the discovery
0: process so even if even if you're in a situation where you cannot access things and you're being it's being withheld from you you, you will have your legal team in in exactly. to help you there. Yeah, I love that. That's super helpful. Um amazing. Is there anything that you would like to add just in case somebody's listening? And they're in the thick of it with a divorce and you work with people going through divorce all day. What would be just some wise words of encouragement you could give to them, Janice?
5: Uh, bites out of the elephant. And it applies to the whole process as well as gathering the documents. It can be overwhelming when you go to see different members of your team. Um, your divorce team should include, as I mentioned, Somebody financial, somebody with the legal profession, right? And somebody, um, I, w- I would tell you as well, on like the coaching side or the emotional side, all yeah. the members of your team are going to be asking you for things. On my side, if you share with me information and you enable me to give that information to your attorney or someone else, I can do that. So you don't have to submit the same documents over and over. Just rely on those people who you trust and who, you're, who are taking care of you in the process to help you take bites and then take a pause, okay? Okay. Life goes on. During this process, you've got another life. (laughs) It shouldn't be a 48-hour job. So go for a walk. Go see a friend. Take a complete Mm -hmm. break from all of this and give yourself a break today because it all will work out in the end, but you need your emotional strength and your physical strength to help you with all of this too.
0: Oh, such good advice. Thank you so much,
5: Janice. So happy to be here, Olivia. Thanks for asking.
6: I'm Ann Runkle, and I am a certified divorce coach and certified career coach, helping you do hard things like navigating divorce or making a career change, sometimes both, uh, with clarity and confidence.
0: Okay, Anne, so we have a question for you today, and it goes like this, and it's a question we get a lot. Hello, Fresh Starts. I'm a stay-at-home mom going through a divorce, and I was curious about my options moving through this time. Is it possible to continue my education or gain employment while also going through a divorce? What
6: do you say, Anne? I say just like every marriage is different, every divorce is different. And so everything I talk about here today is sort of a general overview, and I always recommend discussing your specific situation with your family law attorney within your jurisdiction just to make sure you've got your Um, all the information you need for your specific case. Now, that being said, the answer to your question is is, is yes. Pretty much anything is possible when going through a divorce, especially um, if you are a stay-at-home mom needing to or wanting to get back into the workforce. So whether or not you uh, gain employment or continue your education, though, will depend on your individual situation as far as when and how you do it. Divorce is one of the most complex life changes you will ever go through. It impacts your day-to-day life, both short-term and long-term. It impacts you emotionally, mentally, physically, and financially. It impacts where you live, how much money you need to earn in order to sustain your post-divorce life. If there's children involved, it impacts the time you have with your children, your schedule outside of your time with your children, and if they're younger, your childcare needs in order to work or continue attending classes. Many people do need to make changes to their employment situation because of divorce. So that could be a stay-at-home mom who is going back into the workforce. It might also be a business owner who decides that they want or need to go back into the corporate world. Uh, It might also be someone who unfortunately could be laid off, perhaps, while going through the divorce process. And it's like a one-two punch of difficulty and change in their life. It might also be someone who's been working part-time, but knows that they now need to earn more for their family unit that is now divided between two households instead of one. So whether you make the changes during the process or you wait until after will depend on your personal situation. It'll depend on the level of conflict within your divorce. It'll depend on your budgetary needs both during and post-divorce, as well as your availability to work or attend classes, all of which will need to be considered as you take your next steps. Anything is possible during divorce, in a sense. Your situation could change rapidly and you may need to pivot and make a change right away. Or you might find that the idea of status quo is best, meaning you don't make any changes until after the divorce is settled. So you have more information available to inform your decisions. Things like what will your financial picture look like post-divorce? How is the marital estate being divided? What will your new routine and schedule be? what hours will you have available to you to continue your education or to work within a certain position? You may find very minimal changes, or you might find that everything changes. You know, for example, circumstances such as having primary custody of small children. You might need to consider, you know, if you're continuing your education, you might need to consider switching in-person classes to virtual um, in order to fit the education alongside your newfound career. Or you may find that you are changing jobs, of course, going back into the workforce, needing to find a schedule that better aligns with your children's school schedule, or needing to consider where the new job is located compared to the, where you'll be living next, depending on what home you live in next, or if you're staying in the marital home. Working with a divorce coach can really help you approach more decisions like these strategically and objectively. Your attorney can help explain to you the legal ramifications of going back into the workforce, the timing of doing so, the timing of continuing or pausing your education, and then a coach can help you work through those implications in your day-to-day life, both short-term and long-term. Amazing advice. Amazing advice. So,
0: Ian, I have a couple questions for you. As somebody who I work for myself, I work from home, going through my divorce, I just we get a lot of questions from stay-at-home moms about, like, custody and money and career. And I, I guess I just would love for you to hit on this for a second. Um, that especially with, like, stipulations and figuring out custody arrangements, there's no one way, right? Like, there's so... Like, every divorce, like you said, is different. Just, like, every marriage is different. In my papers, um, full transparency, right? It had, it had different scenarios laid out, right? So it was, like like I would cover childcare if X, Y, Z, if I had to go back, like you said, to corporate, then childcare would be a different situation. Can you just talk for a second about like how people can approach, I guess, going into it and with the understanding that like they can they can lay out different scenarios in terms of like what may happen with their career and childcare and money and finances in the divorce so it's not like set in stone
6: like this is the way does that make sense absolutely it makes sense and olivia that is something i honestly i work with my clients on all the time because when we're going through the process we get really locked in with our focus um, more so the short term, not just during the divorce, but we often are really only able to think maybe like when the divorce is done, this is what my life will look like. We cannot really see clearly into the future. So what I'll tell my clients is, um, you know, remember that your life is going to evolve dramatically in ways you can't even see right now. So when you're working on your parenting plan, when you're working on your uh, divorce decree or settlement, pay, you know, it's, it's referenced a slightly different mm-hmm, way in each mm-hmm. state. Um, but when you're working on that, you know, yourself, if you're doing it pro se, which means you're doing it on your own or you're working with an attorney, I do always recommend people consult with an attorney, at least short term project, you know, topic based yep. to get some real insights into your, regu- uh, your rights and regulations in your state, but to really build some flexibility into that plan. So things like um, putting some sort of threshold for earning differences that could trigger a recalculation of child support or could trigger a recalculation of expense sharing. So if party A uh, reaches a threshold of however much money above what they're earning now, that could trigger a recalculation. If there is a significant change in employment, such as creating a business or, you know, something outside of your own control, you get laid off, which happens a lot, especially right now. I'm running into a lot of people navigating layoffs. I've been laid off myself twice. I get it. Um, but you want to put language in that yep. to say, you know, if there is a significant circumstantial change in employment for either party, expense, manage, uh, expense splitting, excuse me, um, maintenance, child support calculations might be revisited. That's so right. you're sort of building that clause in because yep. what we want to remember is when you are in a low conflict divorce, which means you're able to make decisions together. You, you might think to yourself, well, we'll just revisit this if we need to. We're getting along great right now. We'll just, you know, if we ever need to go back to this plan, we'll just talk about it then. But what's hard is you don't know what your relationship is going to look like with your co-parent down the road. So you want to build your plan for when you don't get along. You hmm. need a document to be the trump card when you can't make decisions together. And so much change can occur in earning potential in actual earnings, in uh, your career, in your job situation. There's so many unknowns and your kids are going to change so much during the course of your lifetime. Um, You really want to build some fail safes in to reconsider or reevaluate parenting schedule, childcare expenses, um, who carries the insurance benefits for the children or child, et cetera. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't want to have to get so caught up in having language for every possible scenario. You really want to work with an attorney. I would recommend at least to yeah. review the most simplistic language possible that allows yeah. revisiting when something significant happens. Does that make sense? And is that totally, helpful, do you think Olivia? Very, very helpful. Very, very helpful.
0: And I will give like my own example, just to, like mm-hmm. full transparency. Right. So I was working from home. I work from home. And so my divorce stipulation, my kids were three and five. Right. So again, like you mm-hmm. said, Anne, it was going to have to eventually change anyway. We didn't even put college in there yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, my stipulation says because I'm working from home, I would cover the expenses of any babysitters, because my son was young at the time, or anything that I needed to work from home. If I had to go back into an office position or back to teaching or whatever my previous career was, my ex and I would split the childcare expenses, right? Yep. Now I have a lot of feelings about that anyway. Cause I was working full time from home and uh, you know, I should have had the help anyway,
6: but that's yeah. a different story. Um, story. <laughs> but a Working from home, mother or father is, still, is still working, working just as yes. hard as a parent yes. outside of a household. Exactly.
0: So yes. So that was my little caveat to that. But, yeah. um, but that being said, you know, again, we put different, like you said, fail-safes. I think that that's such a great way to put that. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I just really want to hammer home. Like there's no one way to say this. Like, if you talk to your best friend and they're like, well, I did this in my divorce, like there's no reason that you would have to do anything similarly in your own divorce.
6: Yes. And I I said this earlier and I say it a lot to my clients when different questions will come up, you know, when my friend said this, or my mom said I should do this, or my cousin's best friend's neighbor's daughter got divorced and said this, every... Divorce is different. There are yeah. so many layers. It's like the proverbial onion. There's so many layers to every person's individual situation. It's very hard to take in that onslaught of advice and sort yep. through it to figure yep. out what makes most sense for your situation, which goes back to having an objective sounding board like a divorce coach is yeah. really a worthwhile investment, even if it's yeah. a short term investment. Around looking at sort of all sides of possibilities when it comes to childcare, when it comes to even I mean, I know this sort of goes down another rabbit hole, but just even parenting schedules of who has yep. the kids when and how does that work. Um, you want to look at things from all sides. Which is related
0: to work. I mean, it is really completely to work. Re-
6: related to work. Um, I mean, it there's so many variables um yeah. having an objective sounding board. Yeah. And then also. You know, I mean, quite frankly, we could do an entire podcast on like, if you're going through a divorce, um, how to work best with your attorney, because some divorces require attorneys, some don't, Yeah. although every divorce is a legal process. Um, how do you work with your attorney to try to get mm-hmm. the right framework opportunities mm. to really look at both the right now, but also the after effects and life five years from now, so that you yeah. don't have to try to go back or so that you don't have to go back through a full court system to make changes, you want to have those fail-safes built in, in a simplistic way. And you
0: can help with that.
6: That's something a divorce coach can do. I I do it all day, every day. Um, I have a client right now, just as a, so I I do personally, I work with both men and women. I know that um, there's often, you know, from a stereotypical standpoint, there is often a bigger implication career-wise on women, Um, perhaps if they've been at home or they've been underemployed Mm -hmm. as a Mm part-time working Mm -hmm. parent. And then of course, divorce can change that. Um, I do also work with with men, and I have uh, yeah. a client in particular I'm thinking of right now, who is the father. Uh, he works full time and has been the primary breadwinner. Um, in order to do that, he has been traveling uh, for work for many, many uh, for years, and there's a significant travel obligation. So for him, he's rumbling right now with mm. should I make a change in which to come off the road so I yeah. have more availability for my children, um, yeah. which I would which I desire to have, but then what are the financial implications? Yeah both for him and also just the, the family unit in yeah. entirety that is split between two households. So yeah. there's so many layers to it, both for the short term and the long term, yeah. that that is what a coach really excels in, in helping you look, I call it kind of walking around the block, looking at yeah. it from all sides to figure out what's best for you.
0: Amazing, Anne. That's really, really helpful support. Definitely people should reach out to Anne if they have questions. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Mm-hmm.
7: I'm Sarah Lyman, founder of Purple Couch, which is an online video course to help folks through their divorce. Okay, Sarah, we have a question for you today. So as
0: we know, divorce can be really overwhelming. What resources or support systems are available to help people during this transition? And specifically on this episode, we're talking about women who might be, um, you know, not available to spend a ton of money on going to coaching or going to all these things. So what's available to kind of just like divorce is a whole other world. So to step into that world and learn what's going on, what do you, what do you say, Sarah?
7: Well, my first words are, you are not alone. There are more than 2000 divorces every day in the United States. That is a lot of divorced folks and we don't talk about it. And I think this is because divorce in our culture, despite how common it is, we still feel some shame around it because we couldn't make our marriage work. We even use the term failed marriage. Um, personally, I think we got a lot of work to do to break down shame and stigma around divorce. And that's my big mission in life. But more practically for people who are actually in the space right now, of course, there's a ton to think about super overwhelming. It's legal, financial, there are tax implications, real estate, or moving out. Um, And of course, if you have children, it's everything from agreeing on custody to co-parenting. And of course, we're making these huge legal and financial decisions while we're on an emotional roller coaster, right? It's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry, you are going to make bad choices. So for me, anyway, it was super overwhelming. I was up all night, every night on Google, trying to figure out how to get divorced. And what I was craving was some synthesis, right? I wanted these resources because there's a ton out there. There's millions and millions of hits when you Google how to get divorced. Um, I wanted these resources vetted and organized by someone I trusted. And I know that that's what you're doing, Olivia, on Fresh Starts. It's amazing what you what you're compiling here. Um, And I wish that was around when I was getting divorced, and that didn't exist when I was going through it. So, um, I also created a resource for what I was looking for back then. So, I interviewed a bunch of experts. I interviewed a divorce attorney and a financial advisor and a tax preparer, child psychologist, mental health counselor, and I pulled all of that amazing expertise into an online video course. And for folks, you know, of course, I feel passionately about this this um, service that I've created, but I think it's, and I think it's um, a great place to start when you don't even know where to go, right? It's like, okay, here's some foundational information. So you can start to feel like you have a little bit more control and a little bit more power. And for me, there were some key takeaways for me when I was going through divorce and that I learned sort of through these experts as well. Number one, you don't have to go to court. Um, there are four legal paths to divorce, and litigation is one of them. It's most expensive. It may be appropriate for people who are not in a, in a power balance, um, but it's not the only choice. Um, there's a whole bunch of other options out there, um, including kitchen table divorce, which may is on the complete opposite um, end of the spectrum. And you may need a lawyer, um, even if it's just to make sure you understand your rights and responsibilities and review your paperwork. Um, just because you hire a lawyer doesn't mean you're going to court. I think that's another big thing that I learned through that process. Um, and if I had one more takeaway, one more piece of advice, even for people who are feeling like completely financially overwhelmed by it, it's, I started seeing a therapist, a mental health counselor, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, it helped me really process what was going on through the divorce and, all my other life stuff that, you know, it turns out, wow, I really contributed to my quote unquote failed marriage. Uh, I have some responsibility to take in that. So anyway, I know it's a lot, but those are my three big takeaways um, for people who are just feeling overwhelmed and don't even know where to start. Uh,
0: First of all, we love Purple Couch. And, you know, while we have all of our experts who we love, what you're providing is so empowering because like you said, Sarah, when you're considering divorce, especially if you don't necessarily have divorce in your family or in your community, you don't know the language. You don't know the lingo. You don't know who you need on your hype team, right? All of these things. So what you did by interviewing these experts and and also it's very affordable, right? How much is the the course?
7: Yeah, it's under $400 for the whole
0: course. It's very affordable, right? So uh, much more affordable than working with a coach or, you know, having any consult with a lawyer even, right? Not that it takes the place of those things, but it will start right. the introduction. And I love what you said. It's really empowering, right? So for anybody that's listening and they're considering divorce and you're maybe in that like really like journaling phase, I like to say, right? And you're yes. maybe talking about it with your therapist. I, I highly recommend going and working through the Purple Couch course because it's going to give you so much information that then you know, when you go talk to a lawyer, because the first thing the lawyer is going to say is what do you want out of this divorce? Right. And exactly. I remember being like, I get to want things right? like I get to say what I want. So highly, highly, highly recommend working through the Purple Couch um, course. What were some of the really interesting things that I mean, you mentioned this, but that you learned in interviewing some of these people that you kind of like, can't stop talking about even still to this day?
7: Yeah. Yeah, these folks are amazing and I I keep adding to the list this this is the beauty of of an online business as we can keep growing and expanding. Um yeah, I mentioned the the hiring of an attorney. I personally hired an attorney and my ex now ex-husband was really angry because he thought it meant it was going to turn into a battle. What I needed was someone to explain to me like i said what my rights and my responsibilities were and it's both it's not just what can i get out of my husband or whatever right. but it's like what are my responsibilities as well um and i it, my divorce was not my choice and so i was feeling completely unmoored so meeting with someone who is compassionate and listen to me and listen to it, like you said what do you want out of this sarah um uh-huh. like, was incredibly helpful, even though we didn't go to court and we we figured out a way to do it amicably. And not everybody can do that. Um, there are high conflict situations with abuse at the heart of it, and those folks need protection. They may not be able to do the whole DIY paperwork, and I I strongly recommend folks. And there are free services um, for people in abuse as well. Um, for me, it was. It was a huge, a huge thing to be able to talk to somebody who shared my values. That was another big learning that I had. I just happened to find, I've looked in the the proverbial, you know, yellow pages, not that those exist anymore, but um, I just found an attorney and it just happened to be someone who shared my values. Not everyone would have counseled me in the same way. I, some attorneys are more geared towards litigation. And that's not what I wanted. It just turns out that I happened to find someone who shared my values. One big takeaway I learned through all these experts I interviewed is if the first attorney you meet isn't working for you, go hire another one. They work for you and they're not all the same. And so if it doesn't feel right to you, go talk to somebody else. That's (sighs) They're
0: a professional. They'll be fine. (laughs) And how scary. It's like so scary, right? It's like everything feels so big. And I want to just drive home the fact that this is a course, right? So you can do this at your own time. You can do this with your headphones on. Nobody needs to know what you're doing, right? Because we hear from a lot of women specifically, like I'm considering divorce, but I'm afraid to do the research. Maybe your Google searches are going to get searched maybe there's things that are going to come up so this is something you can buy and like you said sarah you're constantly adding to it i know you're so passionate about the program and it's just this like bolster of education that you need so you can feel super empowered when you step in to the next phase whether it is calling a lawyer or changing a lawyer or just even calling a therapist which i also say is the first step that you should always do absolutely absolutely so um As somebody that's gone through a divorce, Sarah, what would be some like wise words that you could just like impart to women who are going through this right now?
5: Mm.
7: Well, it's going to be better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the things that I talk about with all the experts in my course is how to start reframing your brain from failed marriage into fresh start. That mind shift happened for me one night. (laughs) I I had moved out of my apartment or my uh, house into an apartment after my divorce. I didn't have any furniture, right? So I'm shopping for a couch, scrolling through the options. I realized I'm defaulting to all these neutral colors that my ex would have liked. I was like, wait a minute, no one else needs input on this freaking couch. So I got the one that I really wanted, which was this gorgeous velour purple couch. And that's why I named my business after it because it was in that moment when I started to reframe from failed marriage to fresh start. And I think that's the key is to help folks start to find their own sort of purple couch moment.
0: Mm, I love that. That's exactly why we do what we do also here. It's like those, you don't realize right? that like a lot of people have never gotten the chance to make a decision like that. And so it's, you know, you start to, I always say, like, build that Uh, flex that joy muscle again, right? And say like, what color color do I even like, right? I remember doing the same thing, putting up artwork and I was the same. Everything was neutral, neutral, browns, tans. And I was like, but I like bold artwork and I like all these things. So I love that you named the company after that. Is there anything else about the course you'd like to share before we let you go?
7: Well, I am just, I'm just so proud to have known these experts and they're still um, deeply connected with the with the business, not just legal and financial, but we go, we talk to a child psychologist and um, we talk to someone who she calls herself a pastor for people who don't do church because it can be a really big spiritual um, shift for people who are, are going through divorce. I talked to someone who works with children on emotional regulation. Um, So there's just so many pieces in this sphere around the financial and the legal part of divorce. And so looking at it holistically, I think is the only way to move forward. And I think the biggest takeaway is we need more community. And that's exactly what you're building, Olivia, with with Fresh Charge Registry is like, we need more community to talk about what's normal. What are the options? Just because you're second cousin had a, this particular divorce experience doesn't mean that yours has to be the same. So there's lots of paths to this and it will get better. Mm,
0: I love that. Definitely, definitely check out purple couch and we'll have all the resources in the show notes. so People can go grab their copy. And I know you're very available to answer questions and support people also. So thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Olivia. Thanks for the work you're doing. Before we sign off, a quick reminder. The information shared in today's podcast episode is for general knowledge purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice. We are here to support people through divorce, but when it comes to legal matters, be sure to consult with a qualified professional.
5: Thank you for listening to
0: today's
3: story. We're always here and we're so proud of you.
0: A Fresh Story is produced by Fresh Starts Registry, the first and only platform for everything you need to begin again. You can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at afreshstory.com.